This is How to Read. I'm Milan. And I'm Olivia, the producer of this episode. Today we're talking with Elaine O. Young, a literary scholar who connects psychology and the arts. A one-sided relationship is a bad relationship, right? Not necessarily, says Elaine O. Young. She's interested in what are called parasocial relationships, where we know and care a lot about someone, but they don't directly engage with us, like a celebrity, for example, or even a fictional character. While parasocial relationships are often thought of as inferior to regular person-to-person relationships, Elaine argues that they have a unique value. Precisely because there's no reciprocation, parasocial relationships can allow us to engage with other people's experiences without the obstacles of social anxiety or self-centeredness. Elaine Oyoung, welcome. Hi. So we are going to talk about one-sided relationships. And, you know, when I first was thinking about this topic, I was like, aren't relationships two-sided by definition? Um, So that's my first question is like, what is a one-sided relationship? A one-sided relationship is um, something that uh, sociologists and psychologists sometimes refer to as parasocial relationships. Parasocial. Parasocial, instead of just specifically social. And this term was coined by a couple of sociologists in the 1950s uh, to refer to an audience's ongoing engagement with media personalities like radio announcers or television hosts. And what was distinctive to them about this relationship is that audiences would feel as though they had an intimate connection to these figures without having any interaction with them. So there's no, it's a non-reciprocal relationship in which the audience is attending to the host uh, or fictional character um, or performer, but they are not subject to attention themselves. So, so far we've been kind of, we've been talking about sort of celebrities, media personalities, radio hosts, and fictional characters. And I'm just kind of curious about like, the fact that you can have these one-sided parasocial relationships with both real people and fictional characters. I mean, that, that feels right to me, but I'm just curious, you know, what, what are the differences there or what's the overlap there? Like, Right. So I think first I'll, I'll take on the areas of overlap because I think that we tend to think of these dramatic discontinuities between our emotional responses to real people or real social information and fictional information. But we are very respond. We almost can't help being responsive to social information. You, you use the phrase social information. And what do you mean by social information in general? Our kind of perceptual system really likes to err on the side of perceiving or interpreting any kind of information as social. So a really um, commonplace example would be seeing a face 
in some kind of pattern, like a tortilla or a piece of toast or something. And, and we have a kind of hair trigger sensitivity to anything that looks like it could be a person. And the sensitivity is so um, acute that there was this 1944 uh, animation called the Hyder Zimmel illusion, where it's just two triangles and a circle. And it kind of looks like one of the triangles is bullying the other triangle and the circle. <laughs> and then at the end of the animation, the good triangle and circle kind of trap the triangle, the bad triangle in this room, and they go off and live happily ever after. So the degree, so it's really minimal. <laughs> Um, the the amount of stimulus that is necessary for us to project kind of a social dynamic um, onto these these geometric shapes, um, and so if I could circle back to maybe I'll just circle back to the original question, which is the dis- the distinction between the fictional and the real um, relationship. So from a psychological perspective a social situation includes um, uh, thinking about imagined or absent figures. Obviously, the fictional character is constructed by a writer or a team of writers, and they are trying deliberately to create a complex response often from us or elicit a complex response. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious. you know, this idea of like fictional characters being crafted to produce that kind of response in us to kind of make us form a one-sided relationship with them and to extract social information. You know, can you give us an example of a fictional character where you feel that's done particularly successfully? I think it is hard to say because it's really different for every reader because our reader responses are so varied. In my case, uh, Jane Austen was the, you know, I was obsessed with Pride and Prejudice from a young age and became really obsessed with Jane Austen. Um, But I think it's especially apparent when you come to the end of a book. So for example, Claudia Rankin has said in a recent interview that with certain books, when she knows that this book is really powerful, she wants to slow down the closer that she gets to the end to prepare herself for losing the speaker. Mm, And to like prolong that relationship. Prolong the relationship, right. So, So I really like, this feels like a good kind of advice for listeners is like, you know, when you're reaching, when you're coming to the end of a book or, you know, a a story of some kind, and you're feeling that kind of like reluctance to get to the end or to leave a character, that actually that's a sign that we've formed this, this intense, one-sided parasocial relationship uh, with that character. And so I'm curious, just to hear a bit more from you, you know, personally, like, maybe it's Jane Austen or another work of literature, like what's been a work of literature that you remember coming towards the end of and feeling that reluctance to let go? And, you know, just like, what what did you experience in that moment? 
So my experience with uh, Jane Austen, obviously I still have not let go of her because <laughs> I've made my uh, career path is deeply entwined with Jane Austen still and I still teach her. Um, but I think in a sign of this that maybe audiences can relate to is that you feel like you don't you don't want to let go of this relationship or this pleasurable experience of engagement with this cast of characters. And so you might reread. And so I my strategy was to reread Pride and Prejudice over and over. And I know that students today have reread Harry Potter so much so that they know it really well, um, or they might go online and want to talk about um, aspects of the story or the characters with other fans or write fan fiction or all of these uh, reader responses are um, signs of a desire, expressions of a desire to prolong the relationship um, that we have when we're reading. Um, so one thing that, that I'm curious about is whether there's potential conflict between these, these one-sided or parasocial relationships and the, the social, the person-to-person relationships. You know, like, I think a lot of people would think it's a bad thing to neglect people in your life to be with books, to be with fictional characters. Um, and, you know, I'm curious what you'd have to say about that. But then I'm also curious, is there a reverse thing? Like, is it also bad to always be neglecting books to be with real people? Oh, that's interesting. Um, so uh, your intuition, I think, is has uh, been shared by early researchers um, who who really pathologized parasocial relationships, and and that remains an area of study that has been underexplored because it's easy to just say, oh, those are people who are deluded or they don't, they can't function in real life. So they resort to these compensatory relationships as a substitute for real people. But I want to credit audiences with the capacity to have many different types of relationships and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. So one-sided relationships can be a positive addition And that doesn't necessarily mean that this comes at the expense of um, ordinary social reciprocal relationships. And one um, example is, is, is during the pandemic, many people were really grateful to have podcasts and say, oh, you helped me get through and feel less alone when uh, face-to-face in-person relationships were not available to us. So are there actually advantages um, to these these parasocial, these one-sided relationships? Yes, absolutely. I think there's a trade-off. So I think you're you're right that we intuitively assume or want to think about these relationships as limited or inferior because when we really connect with someone in a parasocial way, we might say, oh, I wish I could be friends with this person in real life. I wish we could hang out or we would be really great friends if they knew me. I feel like a lot of people felt that way about Jennifer Lawrence a few years ago, you know, like they would be best friends with her if they ever met. 
Right, or Samin Nasrat, or... I feel that way about her. I feel that way about Samin, uh, yes. So, uh, in so her... we should say for people that don't know her, she's, she's a, a food writer and a TV presenter. Um, she has a podcast as well. And yeah, I've listened to her podcast yeah. and watched her show. I love her so much. So she, yeah, and, and, yeah so many, she's just incredibly warm um, and joyful. And so a lot of different figures, especially if they're very active on social media and they actually cultivate this kind of intimacy. But I think what's interesting about the parasocial relationship is part of what makes the experience pleasurable is because we enter into these relationships knowing that there's nothing demanded of you. And so we won't be um, risking anything uh, of ourselves. Mm, yeah. So, so fictional characters or like, um, yeah, celebrities, um, media personalities, they, they're never going to judge us. Um, and that can be kind of, yeah, reassuring. But even it's interesting because you're saying like it sort of puts us in a certain kind of position of power, right? Like we might think that not being able to get the person's attention is kind of like disempowering, but actually maybe there is a sort of power in in knowing like, oh, you know, yeah, I, I, I can do whatever I want and this person is not going to judge me. Yeah, I think we actually are surprisingly... In a, in a position of control or we're in a safe space because we like to talk about being um, in the grip of a novel or captive, like we couldn't stop watching or we couldn't put a, the book down. But in fact, we know that we could put it down or if we don't like this episode of the podcast, we can skip to another episode <laughs> or if we zone out or we, we, we can choose to end the experience at any time. And so there's a way in which this sense of being um, in thrall to the performer or the character is takes place within a larger framework where we're in control and we're choosing to have this experience. Mm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can turn the TV show off, you can turn the podcast off. Um, yeah, even if you feel kind of captivated if you start feeling captivated or if it makes you feel bad, you can, you can just stop. It's sort of making right. me think about like the difficulties in, in real life of sort of like, you know, friend breakups or like, you know, people that you can't be around that often and how awkward that is. Whereas with these, these one-sided, these parasocial relationships, it's like you can kind of like break up with someone or take a break from them and it's never going to hurt them. I do think the value, so as you say, what is, what's the value of engaging in parasocial relationships? I think the value is that you can feel, you can know how you could be when you're not worried about yourself. And it is a <laughs> level yeah. of, you know, kind of empathy or attentiveness or sensitivity to others or curiosity when you aren't on the defensive, maybe, or really self-conscious, like, oh, there's, there are more possibilities. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's like, if, if I'm understanding you right, it's like, you know, you can be less self-conscious, maybe even less self-centered um, in these parasocial relationships, but that that's something that actually 
can kind of cut across all your relationships or make you understand all your relationships in a slightly different way. Right. Yeah. Well, Elaine Ouyang, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. That's it for this episode. For links to books mentioned in our discussion, plus further reading, visit our website, howtoreadpodcast.com. You can also listen to a bonus clip in which Elaine discusses the difference between a parasocial relationship with the author J.K. Rowling versus the characters of the Harry Potter books. To hear about our latest episodes and news, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at HowToReadNow. This episode was produced by me, Milan Talunen, and by me, Olivia Branscombe, with editorial assistance from me, Eleanor Roth-Hessen, from me, Monsi Garnani, and from me, Abby Rooney. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Special thanks to Columbia University for its support, and thank you for listening.